Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on the subject of divorce and remarriage, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. Now, in the previous broadcast, I was talking about Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 through 4, and in this program, I'm going to continue with those verses in the scriptures. But with the introduction that I provided, the introduction that I did with reference to the subject of divorce and remarriage and some of the verses in the scriptures that speak of the subject, in doing this, there are some questions that will come to people's minds, and I have been explaining that it's important to try to avoid those questions until after you have a very good understanding of this subject throughout the scriptures, because it's very easy to be distracted by the concerns that we have in such a way that we are not able to really understand the subject from God's perspective, because we are too concerned about the consequences of certain aspects of the subject that will normally come up. For example, I spoke about the issue that marriage is not an opportunity to enslave someone to you. That is not what marriage is. A husband is not a slave to his wife. A wife is not a slave to her husband. But the fact is, is that in our current society, in the society that we have where these recordings are being done, There is a form of slavery, if we are to look at the definition of slavery that I described in earlier programs, there is a form of slavery where men are, in a way, a slave to their wives, in the sense that if they try to leave their wives, if they attempt to divorce their wives, or if their wives decide to divorce them, then they will experience significant consequences the state, the government, will enforce serious consequences to the extent where you may even consider it to be a form of punishment on the man that a wife would not have to endure in the event that a divorce occurred. In this way, men are slaves to their wives because the state will invoke punishments on behalf of their wives that the wives would not have to experience if it was the other way around. And I mentioned this in the previous program as an example to show you that there can be distortions in the relationships that people have today. Distortions in the sense that you cannot have the same kind of marriage that is described in the Bible because the laws that govern our lives today will prevent that from taking place, will prevent that from occurring. A man does not have the freedom to divorce his wife in our society as he would have had the freedom to divorce his wife in the Israelite society. And because of these distortions, women can treat their husbands in a way that would be different if their husband was not in a situation that they are in right now. If a husband was in the nation of Israel during the time 
when the laws of Moses were in effect, then wives today would not treat their men, they would not treat their husbands in the way that they treat them now. Let me give you a simple example. When I was teaching in a university, there was a a time when I was teaching a class, and just before the class started, I overheard a conversation that was happening between some of the students, and one of the ladies that were there decided to make a humorous comment. The comment was, all men are dogs, some make better pets than others. That was her comment, that was what she thought was a form of humor, and of course, there were lots of other people there in the classroom who thought that that was really funny, lots of people laughed. Guys laughed, girls laughed, people found that to be amusing. In our society today, to speak of a man in that way, whether he is a husband or a boyfriend or whatever you want to call him, to speak of an individual in that way is considered to not only be acceptable, but it is considered to be a form of humor which elevates that comment beyond acceptable, it becomes something that is not only approved of, but something that is encouraged. And I I thought about that statement that was made. I didn't reply to it. I didn't say anything about it because it wasn't my place in that circumstance to say anything about it. But because this is my radio program and I can tell you what I really think, I will say something about it now. And, of course, this is years later, many years later, I couldn't help but think, what would it sound like if I put those genders in reverse? If I put the genders in reverse, what would that sound like if I perhaps said that in the classroom? Just like that lady said that in the classroom. And I realized that if I was to reverse the genders, you know, have some equality per se, to say that men and women are equal, and so if you're going to talk about men that way, then I should be able to talk about women that way too, which I certainly have no interest in. I'm just suggesting and speculating that if I was to reverse the gender in that kind of a statement, how would I be viewed in society? And after giving some thought to it, I figured, my goodness, if I was to say something like that, the consequences would be enormous. I mean, I'd probably make it to the evening news, which was only an hour or so away. I probably would have been a national story, probably an international story. I mean, the outcry would have been immense. I would have become so famous that this would have been spoken of for perhaps beyond my lifetime that such a thing was said. Because people do not want equality. They don't want equality. They say they do, but they really don't. There is a culture that exists in our culture that wants to enslave men, that wants to make men slaves. There are women in our society who truly believe that the role of a man in their life is to be a slave. And that certainly is not the case for all women. I am not saying that. But you need to recognize the reality of life and that this has an effect on people, whether they are willing to go that far in their opinion or maybe halfway in their opinion. Either way, this does permeate our society in such a way that it does affect people's marriages people's relationships to include people who are identifying themselves as Christians, who are in the church, who say that they believe the Bible, who want to have marriages that are a reflection of what the Bible describes. But in practice, they not only do not have such marriages, but I think deep down inside, they wouldn't want that 
in truth, if they really understood what it was. And one of these examples is to say that men are free to leave their wives as wives are free to leave their husbands. Now, having said all of that, you might wonder, if you're not wondering, you should wonder, how is it that people stayed married? Well, in order to really talk about that, I have to talk about the subject of what is a marriage. And these programs are not for the purpose of talking about what is a marriage. I will just simply ask the question, what is a marriage? If you are able to answer the question of what is a marriage, then you will be able to answer the question of how people stayed married. Now, in asking the question, what is a marriage, you have to also understand that what people describe as a marriage today is not the same as what people described a marriage to be during the time of the nation of Israel. The idea of what a marriage is was totally different. It was very different. I gave the example that women and men would have to be more careful concerning who they would marry, women especially, because a woman could not just take her man to the courts and punish him severely because he doesn't behave in the way that she wants him to behave. A wife couldn't do that back then like they can do today. And so because of these distortions, we have different definitions concerning what a marriage is. And I will tell you that according to the historical records that I have at my disposal, I can see that divorces did not happen that often, especially compared to the divorces that we see today. Back then, during the time of the nation of Israel, yes, there were occasions when divorces took place, but not anywhere near the magnitude that we have today. In fact, if you were to study who actually initiates the divorces, the divorces today are initiated by women far more than they are by men. Back during the time of Israel, were they initiated more by men than by women? I don't have an answer to that question, but I can tell you that the amount or the number of divorces is certainly a much smaller percentage. I can at least tell you that. But please understand that you must really define what a marriage is. And you know, for me to talk about the subject of marriage, I actually have to talk about the subject of divorce first, which is why I'm talking about the subject of divorce before I do talk about the subject of marriage and family and things like that, because it's necessary for me to do that in order to define parameters, in order to define circumstances that I can use in order to talk about the subject of marriage as it is in the Bible, because you can't do it without having a fundamental framework that just simply doesn't exist today. Let me give you an example concerning this. What is an adult? I mean, if I'm going to talk about marriage, marriage usually occurs between two adults, but what does it mean to be an adult? You know, this is an unanswered question in our society right now. What does it truly mean to be an adult? How would you know that a person is an adult? Is it because of how old they are? Is it because of their age? I'm confident that you know some people who are above the age of perhaps 18 or 21, and they certainly don't act like adults at all. And there are people who are under the age of 18 and 21 who do act like adults. And so what does it mean to be an adult? And then if you understand what it means to be an adult, then what happens when you put two adults together? You know, for the most part, we have a lot of people who, in my opinion, are not adults, and they're put together with other adults, and we call those marriages. And to be honest with you, I think that they have a lot of struggles in their relationship 
And most of these struggles are due to the fact that they are unwilling to be adults. So this is, of course, a huge subject, and this is why I'm trying to stay focused on the subject of divorce and remarriage. It's because it will give me the ability to establish a framework from which I can talk about marriage and how marriages can stay together. You know, at the end of the previous program, I mentioned that if a woman is free of her husband, not a slave, and her husband is free of his wife, he's not a slave, then they actually do have to work together. They actually have to work out their problems with each other. You know, if a wife could just simply say, you either do what I tell you, or you do what I demand, or I'm going to leave you, I'm going to take you to court, and I'm going to take everything you've got for the rest of your life, it's going to be much worse than what I'm expecting you to do right now. You don't have a situation between two adults who are free from each other to be with each other. They are not free to love one another. You don't have that kind of a situation. You have a very different kind of a situation that will be very difficult to unwind in order to get these people to the point where they will be free to be able to relate to each other and resolve problems without resorting to things like this, resorting to threats and consequences and punishments instead of acknowledging that this is an individual who is not your slave. And that doesn't mean somebody who works for nothing. That means that an individual is establishing a claim or establishing ownership of somebody else's labor. That is the primary definition of slavery. Expecting somebody to labor for no compensation, but they have the ability to depart without any punishment, that's not being a slave, and I explained that in the previous program. So at the end of the previous program, I was talking about Deuteronomy chapter 24, and I'm going to go back there because... There are many things here. I only made it to verse 3. I need to talk about verse 4. But there are many things that are here that I believe are important that will help you answer questions that are often raised when people discuss this subject and will also show you something about the conclusions that people declare that are not right whenever this subject comes up. So, beginning in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 1, it says, When a man takes a wife and marries her, and it happens that she finds no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness in her, and he writes her a certificate of divorce, puts it in her hand, and sends her out of his house, when she has departed from his house and goes and becomes another man's wife, Then we have verse 3. But before I get to verse 3, there are two things that I want to mention here. The first thing is that the man can divorce his wife really for anything, for any situation. It does say uncleanness, finds some uncleanness within her. But when you continue to verse 3, it says, If the later husband detests her and writes her a certificate of divorce... This doesn't require uncleanness or sexual immorality, just simply detesting, just simply being disappointed or whatever. A husband is free of his wife. He's not a slave to her. He has the freedom to end the marriage. So he can do that for any reason. And I want you to see that God acknowledges, he recognizes the divorce. When he establishes laws that govern divorce, He's not establishing laws to govern evil behavior or sins. He's governing the issues related to the marriages, the relationships that existed between individuals. And he says 
that if she departs in verse 2, that she can become another man's wife. He does not say that that is adultery. He does not say that that is sin. He does not say that there is anything wrong with it at all. He just simply acknowledges that this can occur and that this is a remarriage. That there is no prohibition, with the exception of her marrying a priest, of course, as I explained in the previous program, but there is no prohibition against her remarrying. This is given to us in the law, Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 2. The other thing that I want you to notice, especially in verse 1, is that the house belonged to the man. The land belonged to the man. If a divorce occurred, the woman left. Now, today, things are, of course, different. In the event that a divorce takes place, for the most part in our current society, the woman gets to have the house. In general, that's how it works out. In fact, there also will not be a requirement that the house be refinanced and that she assume any debt. The man will still be obligated, if he is on the loan, he will still be obligated to continue to pay for that house, even though he will no longer have any right to enter into that house. He will be obligated to pay. This is a distortion, a distortion in the sense that there is such a magnitude of difference between the divorce that is described in the scriptures versus the divorce that takes place today that we have to completely redefine what marriage is, what divorce is, what are the circumstances related to that, and what will be the consequences in the relationships that people will have with each other because of the laws that we impose on individuals. It's very important to see this and to understand that you cannot easily talk about a biblical marriage when you have distortions such as these that are caused by the laws in your society. It can be quite a challenge, quite a challenge, for a husband and wife to be married in such a way that if a divorce takes place, the woman will have to leave without being able to keep the property. It can be quite a challenge to establish that. You might be able to work that out through some kind of prenuptial agreement, but you know what happens when people establish things like that. What happens is that people don't feel as if they're really getting married, or they don't feel as though they really have a Christian marriage. You know, there's all kinds of obstacles that people are going to have a hard time getting past if they really want to have a biblical marriage, a marriage that conforms to the scriptures as opposed to a marriage that conforms to the state. Now, having said this, I personally do not believe that we should be thinking in those terms in the sense that we should be trying to find a way to do that. I didn't say that for the purpose of saying, now, folks, this is our solution, because I don't think it is. I really don't. But if you don't see the differences and you don't see the distortions, if you don't see those things, you're not going to be able to understand why we are in the circumstances that we are in right now, why the society in Israel functioned in the way that it did, and for many reasons it functioned much better in the sense that people actually stayed together much more than we do now. And to understand why is just about impossible until you can see these differences, which is why I'm mentioning the differences. Again, I'm not doing these programs to give anybody an excuse or permission or to forbid any actions, any decisions whatsoever. I'm trying to stay focused on the subject at hand. Now, having said that, I'm going to continue into verse 3, where it says, If the later husband detests her and writes her a certificate of divorce, 
puts it in her hand and sends her out of his house, or if the later husband dies, who took her as his wife. Now, please consider this. First of all, God recognized one divorce and considered it to be acceptable. He recognizes a remarriage and considers it to be acceptable. And then a divorce occurs and he considers it to be acceptable, or if she's a widow because he dies. He still sees divorce, remarriage, and divorce again as acceptable, with one exception. If you continue to read down to verse 4, it says, Then her former husband, who divorced her, must not take her back to be his wife after she has been defiled, For that is an abomination before the Lord, and you shall not bring sin on the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. So did the Lord ever forbid remarriage? Does an example exist in which the Lord forbade a remarriage from occurring in the sense that a person is divorced, can they get remarried? Yes. Here we have a circumstance where someone cannot be remarried. Now, I explained a circumstance earlier where there was a restriction concerning remarriage that a divorced woman could not marry a priest in the Levitical priesthood in Israel. But here is another circumstance where the Lord did not permit a remarriage, and that is in the event that a woman is divorced, she will never again be able to remarry her husband if she marries someone else after they were divorced. In other words, if she gets divorced and she does not get remarried, then, yes, she can qualify in terms of remarrying her previous husband. But if there is an understanding that she does marry another, then she is permanently, permanently forbidden by the law of God from ever remarrying her previous husband. She can, of course, remarry anybody else, anybody else but him or a Levitical priest. That is a restriction that God has placed in here. Now, the reason why I am explaining this and why I'm showing you verse 4 in Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 4, the reason why I'm showing you this is not to forbid you from remarrying a previous husband because you've got a husband in between the two of you. I'm not suggesting that. I personally believe, I really do believe, that there can be some circumstances where this can occur and that it should not be looked at as sin. That if two people can find a way to join together, have a marriage together, can get through these kinds of issues that caused the previous divorce and can also handle the issues concerning her marriage to another after the divorce took place, if two people can get through that, I personally would not want to forbid that even though the law says that that's the case here. I would not want to do that. And one of the reasons why I can feel confident personally in saying such a thing is because there is no punishment that is described here in the event that that takes place. There's no official declaration of adultery, for example, or something like that, that we could then say that she needs to be taken out to the city limits along with her husband and we should throw rocks at them until they're dead. I don't see that here. 
And so because of that, I believe that there can be circumstances where this can work out. However, having said that, please speak with the Lord about this yourself. You must assume personal responsibility between you and your God when it comes to situations such as this. I'm not doing these programs in order to give you specific answers to questions like this in order to say that this is the criteria for this or this is the criteria for that. I'm only saying this in order to show you that God has had something to say about this in the past. I will say this, though, and that is that I have encountered an enormous number of people who have taken the position that if a woman is divorced from her husband and she marries another, people will say that that is not a legitimate marriage. And I will say that you cannot make a statement like that because of Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 2 through 4. You can't say that because that would be an absolute, direct, clear contradiction with the scriptures. To forbid something that God permitted, I believe is of great concern. To permit something that God forbidded, as I just described with reference to verse 4 and a remarriage. I think that that should be taken with great concern. I do. And I will say that this is something that you should resolve between you and your God. Likewise, when it comes to somebody wanting to declare for themselves personally that it is a sin for them to marry after they have been divorced another man, that that would be sin? Of course, that can be between you and the Lord. But I personally believe that no one should take the position of forbidding such a thing because here we have a clear example where it is allowed, it is acceptable. But what happens is that people will say that the woman has to be remarried to her previous husband or a man must be remarried to his previous wife, that that divorce was never really acknowledged by God. And that, to me, is such an absolute contradiction to what God declares to be an abomination that it has to be said that that kind of statement is an absolute contradiction to the law of God. And I will continue with this in the next broadcast. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 38353, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net